Making It Big, we interview some of the unsung heroes behind the screens that make movies and television come to life. My name is Sarah, and my father is John, a professional Foley artist in the movie business for over 40 years. He's worked on over 500 films and is a 37-time nominated and 9-time MPSC winner for movies such as Inception, The Matrix, and The Dark Knight. We've made it our mission to inspire you to achieve your dreams. Welcome to the Right Stuff Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of The Right Scuff. I want to thank each and every one of you for tuning in this week and for giving us your input. It's really important for me to have an open line of communication with everyone because I genuinely want to do everything I can to help you pursue your dreams. And I want to provide you with fully information or just entertaining content if that's what you're looking for. And as I've gotten older, I've learned that life is a choice. Each and every day we wake up and we make choices and those choices impact us positively or negatively, even sometimes neutrally. And I want you to wake up excited. I want you to wake up and know your life has value and meaning. We want you to know that it is possible to make good choices and take steps each and every day to get to where you want to be. Even in the process of creating this podcast, I had to be patient, which has never been one of my favorite virtues. And I've had to take tiny baby steps. I've had the idea to create this since the end of November, beginning of December, and it is now the last day of May. It is May 31st, but I have not given up. I've spent countless hours researching, learning to edit, getting equipment, and I'm still not great at everything, but that's life. No matter how perfect I want this to be, I know that it can't be absolutely perfect in every aspect of what I'm trying to do, but my point is that What's great about trying something new is that you do fail and you do learn from that if that is what you choose. Today, we are doing our first interview. I'm so excited because we are talking to the coolest woman ever, you guys. I can't say enough wonderful things about you, Shelly. We're very lucky to have you. Welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here. Thank you. It's an honor for me to interview you. So why don't you take us back to the beginning before you were a Foley artist? What did you think that you wanted to be when you grew up? What was your life plan? You know, that's a very good question. Um, I loved animals, and I thought I'd be working as a veterinarian. And I also loved Tom and Jerry, and I was so into making noises vocally and I was very obnoxious as a child (laughs) (laughs) so um, even my friends said you should be a comedian or you should be uh, doing voices for animation and so I grew up with that in my mind even though it didn't feel practical to me at all because I I grew up in a very small town of 14,000 people outside of Rochester New York and that to a child living in Victor New York is a dream that seems very far away because in front of you, you see your parents working as blue collar workers, um, as secretaries, or my dad was a cable guy. And the idea of doing something for TV 
was so far-fetched because nobody around me was doing that. Right, right. So what was your first job? Not necessarily in Foley, just in general, your first job. My first job that I actually kept or my first <laughs> job ever? Ever or <laughs> kept, whichever one you want to pick. <laughs> okay, because for three months, when I was 14 years old, I don't know why, I thought I was ready to start working because that was insane because I was having too much fun. So I, I actually took a job at KFC. Really? <laughs> and I was making biscuits for three months, and then I just realized I was missing my track meet, so I quit. Right. But anyway, you shouldn't be working at age 14, mm -hmm. kids. Take your time. Seriously, you're going to be working your entire life. So think before you take a job Um, at age 14. So my first job that I totally loved um, was I worked for a glass artist in town. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And so I got to do neat things with his uh, perfume bottles and vases, vases. I say vase because I'm from Victor, New York. Um, <laughs> and I got to take this exacto knife and cut pieces of masking tape and put them very delicately on the vase to cover up the areas that weren't going to be frosted. So it was called hmm. um, masking. And then I would do right. sandblasting. So it just, I love the environment of the artist workshop and we would listen to NPR and there was just this very um, eccentric, cool dude uh, blowing glass in the mm -hmm. other room and I was sitting mm -hmm. quietly at a table concentrating on doing very mechanical stuff right. that was artistic mm -hmm. as well. So Have you always been very it. artistic? Yes, actually. Um, here's, a <laughs> there's a picture of Mickey Mouse behind me at my desk that I drew when I was eight years old. Stop, really? That's so <laughs> yes. cute. And for an eight-year-old, that's really good. Yeah, so I, I've always drawn, <laughs> always copied pictures of animated characters mm -hmm. and have always gotten attention for that. Mm -hmm. And I won scholarships and I thought I was going to go to art school, mm -hmm. actually. Mm -hmm. So that's a whole other story. Where did you so. end up going to school? I went to Ithaca College. Okay. And I went there because, first of all, my parents pulled together the money and, and I pulled together my money. And that's mm -hmm. what we could afford. Um, I, My dream was to go to Rhode Island School of Design. And mm -hmm. I got in, which it's very hard to get in. Wow. But we couldn't afford it. Right. So I'm, I'm curious always what my life path would have been if I it, went there. Right, right. Yeah, but I'm really happy where I am mm -hmm. right now. Yeah, so. you can't what if because, no. you know, then you're here and that's yes. what matters. Oh, I don't regret a thing. Good, good. Mm -hmm. Okay, so what what did you study in school? Did you study film at all or was this even on your radar? Well, Foley wasn't on my radar, but I did study film and photography. You did, okay. Mm -hmm. And I loved it very much. Mm -hmm. uh, I love the collaborative creative aspect of it mm -hmm. and just being out in the field and shooting stuff with my friends we each would cast one another as either actors or mm -hmm. um, technical people and right. I was always the camera person actually <laughs> funnily enough um, but that all changed one year when I applied to be in a special class which was a summer class my professor one of our professors was doing a feature film and he was choosing a crew so I applied for the camera department of course but he put me in sound so this is where it all changed for really? me. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? People just picking your life path for Pretty you, much, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, part of it is funny because part of it is you choosing and part of it is allowing. It so to it's, happen, it's, exactly. It's very hard to find that balance mm -hmm. and you can't go crazy in your brain thinking about it. Just let it happen. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that's good. So you kind of went with the flow. And then mm -hmm. how was that job with the sound? Did you immediately feel a connection with it or was it like... Oh, I don't know about this. Well, I liked that I could be in my own little world, like 
observing and listening because I've mm -hmm. always been that kind of person anyway. Mm -hmm. And so I could just put my headphones on and be recording and not have to participate in mm -hmm. social interaction at all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <But> <laughs> <laughs> Although I'm a social person, it's just nice to kind of be in the world and just hearing the world mm -hmm. from that perspective. Mm -hmm. I've, I've really enjoyed that. Um, and the technical part of sound, I, I enjoyed uh, however, I still had a ton of energy and um, a love for sports mm -hmm. and a love for performance inside of me that I needed to express somehow. And I had right. no idea that it would all come together one day mm -hmm. and kind of manifest mm -hmm. fully. So when you kind of discovered sound, when was was that the first Foley job that you did or was it? That was actually on production. Um, um, I was an on-set production okay. sound recordist. So you were a sound mm -hmm. recordist. So when was what was your first Foley job? I see your first credited one on IMDb was 1997 Sliding Home. Mm -hmm. But I know not always the first one is what you actually worked on. True. That is absolutely true. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't experience Foley at all until I worked as an intern for a post-production sound company. Mm -hmm. So my college had an option to do a semester in LA or uh, as an art minor, I was going to do a semester in Florence, Italy. LA seemed the right path mm -hmm. because it would allow me to explore a career. Mm -hmm. And that was, that was absolutely the right decision to make. Right. Although Florence was so much more romantic. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think the idea of it is just oh, traveling abroad. Of course. And, you know. Yeah. And painting mm -hmm. for oh a my whole gosh. semester. <laughs> I mean, it sounds great, but mm -hmm. would I have been an art teacher maybe? Um, when I've know. been an art therapist, you never know. Mm -hmm. But anyway, so onward to L.A. So I applied. I got in. They sent us to Los Angeles for a semester. Mm -hmm. It was a new program. So I was the second group who went to L.A. Okay. And we lived in the Oakwood Apartments uh, down in Barham Boulevard. And I found an internship with Sound Deluxe, which was a wonderful private company um, back in 1995. And... It was like one level of people that were in a circle. And so as I was doing my internship, I got to get to know everybody. And I found them to be so kind and helpful. And they taught me how to be an assistant editor if I wanted to be. And that was actually going to be my path, being an assistant editor. editor. But um, they had acquired a Foley stage. And I began, began hang, hanging out over there. And I thought it was amazing. Of course, anyone... Mm -hmm. Looking at Foley thinks it's incredible because it's just people playing, playing really, really? in a room, yeah, <laughs> in front of, <laughs> like performing to the the picture on the screen, which is, I mean, what could be cooler? So my first experience was working on a student film. So when I interned, I would work eight hours, and then the president of the company got a bunch of student film makers coming in saying, "Please help us. We need our our post production sound completed. Please." And so he turned to me and said, hey, do you want to be a supervisor? And I thought, cool, I could edit. I could do whatever else. Mm -hmm. And the first client of mine said, I would like a whole Foley job to be done. I'm like, oh, my gosh, how am I going to do this? Because <laughs> the Foley artists are busy, mm -hmm. and I'm not going to ask them to do something for free. So I said, can I use your stage when you're done with work? And so I did. And then I asked the transfer guy to come record me. And we had no idea what we were doing, but... Uh, I actually slipped on shoes belonging to the guys that work there. Really? Cause, <laughs> oh, no. Because I didn't have any shoes, so I was trying on, like, these size 11 <gasps> shoes and walking in them because oh I needed men's hard shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, since I didn't know what I was doing, I brought along a sound supervisor who knew about Foley and 
knew what it entailed. And he watched me and said, you should really think about going into this as a career. And I thought, huh, hmm, maybe. Okay, cool. Because so I was still on my path to becoming a apprentice sound editor right. with, with some really awesome people. Mm -hmm. um, but that's interesting that he recognized the talent in you. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he... Surprised. Mm -hmm. So did yeah. you let those words sink in after a while and just think, hmm, maybe I really could? Yeah, of course. I kept that in the back, to, back of my mind for sure. Mm -hmm. And then something happened that launched me into it, which was um, digital started to make its way into the film industry. Mm -hmm. And so the apprentice position, the the assistant position, those all kind of whittled down to one digital assistant and first assistant. So I saw a lack of opportunity there. There were all these people ahead of me and I said, okay, that's not my thing to do. I have to figure out something else. So um, when I was doing all these freebies, um, I was in touch with a friend of mine who went to Ithaca College and he said, hey, I'm doing a movie and I have backing and and what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm, I'm kind of doing Foley. And he's like, I want you to do Foley on my film. And he was bringing it to a small company. Um, and he said, I'm going to tell them that I want you to do Foley on my film. And I said, okay, as long as, you know, it doesn't kick anybody else out of a job. Um, and luckily it didn't because they needed a night person. And I did Foley on this film. And again, I didn't know what I was doing at all. I just went into the job and just was like, okay, I'll learn it as I go. Right. But that's awesome mm -hmm. that you went in and you gave it your all and mm -hmm. you just said, you know what, I'm going to do this. And that's, I mean, that's how you learn. Like the whole premise of this is, you know, no one's going to be perfect right away. Absolutely. That's just how it is in life when you're learning a new skill. And I think that you and a lot of people that we're going to be talking to have a really interesting pattern of w when you do stuff, you know, for free, like pro bono, mm -hmm. you know, that opens up all these doors that might not be open if you closed yourself off and said, you know, I don't really want to. I'm looking for paid opportunities. And so it, it's really interesting how it, it's brought you and like it brought my dad mm -hmm. all these opportunities that you wouldn't have had hey, dad, otherwise. My partner, by the way, John. Ruff. Well, so when I was at Sound Deluxe, mm -hmm. the person I was working with, my mentor, Karen Baker Landers, who's awesome woman, um, she said, you should get in touch with other Foley artists I'm like yeah I totally want to learn from them she's like I know this guy John Rush you should, you should give him a call maybe you could visit the stage so I called him and and I made contact with him and and I went to have lunch with he and, and his partner mm -hmm. and his mixer and um I've kept in touch with him ever since and I had no idea I would end up being his partner today it's very, it's very important mm -hmm. to have a mentor mm -hmm. I think especially if you're flying blind like I was completely mm -hmm. um so it so was you, helpful. So you met him, and then where did you go from there? Did you stay kind of at one Foley stage, or did you kind of bounce around to all these other ones? Or I worked at this one place called Ground Control um, and started my career off there, and they just fed me feature after feature. Mm -hmm. and I worked at night from 5.30 to 2 in the morning by myself because I was non-union. So sometimes non-union Foley artists work by themselves because right. of the budgets. And... I just learned on the job and I probably worked there for a year and then they the, the facility flooded. Really? <laughs> oh no. Yes. <laughs> yes. So I had to figure something out. <laughs> so yes, I bounced around for a bit. Mm -hmm. So I would just solicit other companies and see if they needed somebody and maybe work as a substitute for a while and I'd freelance all over the place and never know where my next job was coming. Um, and at one point, there was such little work 
that I had to take a office job again. But then I got back into Foley by working double shifts. So I was doing my office job during the day and double shifting at night. So sometimes oh, it's a really goodness. long journey yeah. and you have to really, they call it paying your dues. Mm-hmm. Um, I just like to call it just uh, taking your opportunities as you get them and just working really hard to get to where you want to be. Down the line, you've worked on TV shows, movies. I have se- I saw that you worked on Housewives. Desperate Housewives, T- Tangled, I think I saw in there. Is that right? That was a movie, I think. Yeah, that was a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, the 100, a bunch of other really awesome shows. I was working as a non-union Foley artist for several several years by myself and working with mixers who were also new. So we would learn mm-hmm. together on the job. And it was beneficial because I had to be resourceful. Um, I was working in a closet that had zero props. So I had to go out and buy props and do research about the movies before I worked on them because I didn't know if I would need something that I didn't have. I became aware of this organization called the Motion Picture Sound Editors, which was a group of my peers. And you had to be working for five years to be able to apply. And so I got my resume together as a independent non-union Foley artist. And I got in, which was great. And they had these events, which were public events and one of them happened to be a Foley event so my mixer at the time and I were saying to ourselves let's go spy on them and make sure we're doing it right (laughs) and and so they happened to be these two women from Paramount and I went up to them afterwards and gave them my card and one of them said oh my god I just saw your name on a film and I was wondering who you are and here you are right in front of me and the craziest thing happened she called me two weeks later and said hey uh, I have a possible job for you at Paramount on the TV stage. And I'd never done TV. I'd always been done features. Um, so I was so excited to get the opportunity to work union. Right. And so that's how I got my first union job. It's just by showing up to a public event and talking to, to other Foley yeah, artists. Yeah, meeting people. Yes. And involving yourself. Yes. Did you find that there was, a, since you said that you'd only worked on features, did you find that there was a vast difference between TV and the features that you'd done? There is a vast difference between TV and features. Um, there's more time and more um, diving into the character and the story mm-hmm. in features. And I just, I love that so much that I I love just working on feature films mm-hmm. and being with a character for four weeks and and just being in the atmosphere of the film and knowing all the different um, dynamics that go on and and coasting along in that way instead of just being on a tv show one day go through it and walk walk quickly quickly Mm -hmm. get it done and of course you put your all into it as well as much Mm -hmm. as you can as much as you have time for Mm -hmm. but it's it's not an immersive experience like working on a feature is i worked at paramount on numbers and medium and a bunch of other tv shows but then i got laid off because they were outsourcing the foley to other companies so again I had to find another way to make money and so I think I went back and worked on features on independent features as well as getting union jobs whenever I could Um, and that is when your father called me and said hey Shelly Warner Brothers has a night crew coming on my stage would you like to head up the night crew I'm like yes Absolutely. So here I am going back to nights, Mm -hmm. which I'm not a night person at all, but come on, this is a chance to get into Warner Brothers, maybe on a full-time basis. Mm -hmm. 
So I took that job and I worked there in, up until I came to Skywalker <laughs> and really got to know John and Allison right. very well and worked with both of them and also worked on the other teams on the other stage mm -hmm. and just really got to know everybody and had chances to be other people's partners and then um, I declined the chance or uh, something better came along and so um, when the time came to come up to Skywalker first of all I was blown away um, that the opportunity came to me at all mm -hmm. um, I assumed that there would be a ready-made team up here already and it wouldn't involve me so when that opportunity opened up for me um, I wanted to try it out and make sure that it was a good fit because it is so important to have the correct chemistry on a crew of three people who work in a dark room together every single day right. <laughs> so um, luckily I'm found the best two guys I've ever worked with in my life and I am so happy and I hope I retire here that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And really, it's very, it's honoring to hear this story and just to hear how humble you are and down to earth. I mean, I know you're a down to earth <laughs> person just in general, but hearing this story is so, I don't know, it's really mm -hmm. awesome to just hear how all of these things connected for you. Thank you. Well, I remember hearing something back at Sound Deluxe when they had bagels every morning, back when they were a private company, they would have the employees gather every morning and talk and have bagels. And this one woman who was a former lawyer was an assistant, an executive assistant. And she was in her 30s, now I was in my 20s. And she said, Shelly, you have no idea what you're going to be when you're in your 20s. She's like, when you're in your 30s, you'll look back and be like, oh my gosh, I had no idea I would get there. And it just... I couldn't wrap my brain around it because I was in my 20s and it didn't make any sense to me at all. Mm -hmm. But now I'm in my 40s and I'm like, oh my gosh, I had no idea I would end up here. No clue. Um, but by remaining friends with your dad and mm -hmm. just working really hard and caring about my work, um, I was able to, to keep working because people want hard workers who are enthusiastic and mm -hmm. And who care? So for you, what's the hardest part about Foley in general? And the best part? The hardest part about Foley, I'm, I'm having a hard time trying to figure that out because I love it so much that it's all mm -hmm. kind of easy. Mm -hmm. It's um, easy when you're doing something that you love and even things that are a challenge. You just take yes, it head on and it go with it. But practically the hard things, I guess, would be, for example, if I'm doing a hero chasing the villain scene and it's on cement in bare feet. Um, so really? physically, that's challenging <laughs> because, first of all, you can't breathe. So you're kind of circular breathing so you don't go... <gasps> As you're, as you're running. Right, because mm -hmm. you can't pick... I've never thought about that mm -hmm. before. So you can't pick up the sound from your breathing. Exactly. So you, oh, and that so does sound all, physically difficult. It is difficult. And if it's a long scene, it goes on for a while. So you're like, I can do this. You're probably just blue in the face <laughs> after that. Yeah, usually after we stop, I'm, I'm just like... <gasps> I just have to like really take it in because I've right. been breathing through my nose. Um, <laughs> and then bare feet, you know, you really sometimes have to give a lot of uh, weight to it. Mm. and So pounding into your into your body. So I was going to ask you what mm -hmm. the most difficult footstep was too. So you say bare feet for the most I'd part? I'd say if it needs weight, mm -hmm. bare feet need, need weight. But Scott, our wonderful mixer, helps me out with that. Right. And we have some fancy tools that we can mm -hmm. employ now. And I don't have to work to, I don't have to work as hard, meaning I don't have to hurt my body. Right. So. 
because that's important. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to last for 20 years, maybe 30 years. I don't years. think people <laughs> realize how physical this is. I mean, you mm-hmm. guys do body falls and you're running. And I mean, the, there is a certain like, oh, you could, you know, play around with all this stuff. But at the same time, it's very physical. It is. What you guys looks, are doing. It looks like a blast. And mm-hmm. it is if you love it. Mm-hmm. If it's what you want to do for the, for every day, the rest of your life, mm-hmm. it, then it's easier um sometimes it's challenging when it is all physical like Mm -hmm. the whole day is physical video games um providing all the punch sounds and throwing stuff really hard um but i am very physical person and i i love that i need to get that Mm -hmm. out of my uh the energy out Mm -hmm. so it's it's actually therapeutic (laughs) and if you love it it works i Mm -hmm. i never understood so when my dad would come here and he'd come home and he'd sit and he'd watch a movie or he'd do something I just thought it was just him relaxing at the end of the day. It was only really recently that I realized that he's not watching the movies. He's listening to the Foley. And so it was, I don't know, it was exciting for me to see, oh, he really genuinely loves this. It's he's going to work and then he's coming home and he's working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that was really interesting for me to see, too, that, you know, if you love it, you just you think about it all the time. You figure out ways to make it work. Mm-hmm. And it's just awesome. Yes. Like I'm always looking in salvage yards for something mm-hmm. interesting. And I get really excited in salvage yards because I go around wrapping on things. And speaking of fun things that you salvage and you find, what is your favorite Foley prop that you have or that's here, I guess? I think my favorite one is um, one that ones that I've made. Um, You've made Foley <laughs> props. Wait, Shelly. <laughs> yeah, some of them are hanging right at the end of the desk there. Really? Like, yes. Yes. Huh. The spools of thread, thread are from Alice Through the Looking Glass. I just strung them together from your grandmother's sewing kit. Really? Because I needed that bob, they're bobbins, huh. and they're sewn together in such a way. And I put them with a uh, metal chain so that I could imitate the sound of Johnny Depp's character That's frolicking awesome. through the woods. And then there's a bark bracelet right next to it. Yeah, I see it. Yeah. So in this lovely film, um, I, I really love the independent films because usually they're all about the heart mm-hmm. and and soul of human beings. And that one was. And it was about this little girl who finds herself in a forest and she makes a bark bracelet for somebody who helped her. Mm-hmm. And so I just collected some bark and I sewed it together so it would sound, you know. Just like it. So you literally made like a bark bracelet. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And that's interesting how all your artistic talents have carried over into the prop world. What is your advice for kids who want to break into the film industry? So if I wanted to be a Foley artist and I was in my 20s, mm-hmm. what I would do is make contact with other Foley artists that are already working. Very, very important. First of all, you need people behind you. You need people to speak to who know more about the business than you do at the time. You need mentors. Mm-hmm. It's so important to have mentors, to have people mm-hmm. to look up to who you can ask questions to. Am I doing this chair sit right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you don't use your butt? Oh, my gosh. Oh, use a cloth on a piece on a chair? <laughs> oh, I had no idea. You know, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, you want to make yourself an expert in, a, yes. in your field. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. So just align yourselves with people who will help you. And I'm not saying give you a free ride. You still are going to have to work. Um, so speaking of work, seek out those opportunities where you can sit in and watch Foley artists or um, go to non-union places especially where they need people that are very skilled and maybe there's a lack of those people because mm-hmm. they're moving up because it's constantly shifting in LA. Mm-hmm. I know a lot about the LA Foley industry. There are people moving around 
all the time. There are stages closing, there are stages opening. I mean, it is for 20 years, I have seen it move. I have seen partners shift. I have seen stages close. I've seen stages open. It's always changing. Look for opportunities in those moments. And there's no harm in asking, too. If you don't Mm-mm. ask, nothing's ever going to happen. No. So you have to put yourself out you there. You absolutely have to ask. And you will come up against people who definitely want to help you. And you also come up against people who might feel threatened by you. That's mm-hmm. just the nature of the business, especially in Los Angeles. You know, but um, you really have to stick with those people who are going to lift you up and who mm-hmm. recognize that when you're working with other people, that is when you're the most successful. Absolutely. And I think that's what I really admire about you and my dad is that you both realize that when you surround yourself with really good, positive people, that's how you get to achieve wonderful things. I think you said it very, very well, because if you're threatened by somebody new, then you're missing out on so many opportunities to grow and to be friends with somebody who's uh, on your side, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I so appreciate that in your father that he sees, even though he's been in this business way longer than me, he sees how I can help make this team better. And we're all, it feels like we're all equals on this stage and we all have a voice. And so the atmosphere that's created is openness and creativity and lightness and fun and you can't do creative work when you're in a dark dismal um, threatening atmosphere so this this creative atmosphere of fun and and goodness is is what I've always been looking for and and it's here at Skywalker. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Yay. Well, thank you so much, Shelly, for letting me sit down with you and talk to you and ask you all these questions. Sure. And I think all of our listeners are really going to appreciate it and admire your story and use it to help, you know, guide themselves to do what they want to do if it's in the film industry or in other avenues of life. So thank you so much. I hope I do help at least one person. Yeah. Thank you for That's this the mission here. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Shelly. All right. I want to once again thank Shelly for joining us on The Right Scuff. And I want to thank you guys. I really appreciate you listening. And listen, if you want to help out to support the podcast, one of the best things you could do is just go online to iTunes, give us five stars, and leave us a comment. Tell us what you think. Another good way to support us is through the Amazon affiliate program. You could find the link on our FAQ or in the description on our YouTube channel. It's called height scuff dash 20 i think it just mashed the right scuff together so it's h-e-i-g-h-t-c-u-f-f dash 20 and using that on amazon doesn't charge you anything extra it just gives us a little commission and helps us out to support the podcast once again i want to thank you all for listening i really appreciate any advice any feedback and i really hope you guys are loving it we'll see you next week on the right scuff